Captain. Our computer is picking up a strange signal. I don't want any baloney, magic tricks, or psychological mumbo jumbo. Errors in time and space. Nerds, broadcasting to you from a location outside of time and space. My name is Kyle Thatcher. I'm Jennifer Thatcher. And this is Liminal Unlimited. So, what are we talking about this week, honey? I don't know. <laughs> We're talking about sky beasts which sounds like some you know new version of uh, the transformers uh cartoon um but no sky beasts uh it's just a a catch-all term like an unofficial catch-all term for um some people posit them as cryptids some people posit them as holdovers from another time um but also it crosses over somewhat into UFO phenomena and things like that um, because now there there are some going theories that the UFOs may not be nuts and bolts vessels. They may actually be the creatures themselves. Right, Lucy? Right. <laughs> so... Uh, so sky beasts. So first of all, um, part this episode was partially inspired. My interest in this was partially inspired by uh, the movie Nope. Um, not to to spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Nope yet, uh, don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, skip ahead a few minutes. Yeah, skip ahead a couple <laughs> minutes. Um, but but basically, the idea of of Nope is is along those lines that the UFO is not a craft it is the creature itself and who knows where it comes from there's no there's no real answer to that um if it's from space if it's just from if it's always been here um just hiding in these sort of un untraveled unregulated undiscovered areas of the country and the world um, which a lot of this possibly could be. Or if it just resides in the sky, hides in the clouds. Yeah. yeah lives does... in the ocean. Yeah. Comes could... out into the sky. Yeah. Could it float all the time? Mm-hmm. Maybe it floats all the time and just sits in cloud banks and we just have never seen it. You know, and for uh, <clears throat> whatever reason, you know, you don't pick them up on radar. Um, but also... A good portion of this uh, kind of coincides. There's a bit of a synchronicity, which is a big thing in the paranormal world. It's a bit of a synchronicity with what's going on right now over the skies of the United States and our good, polite, friendly neighbors, poutine-eating neighbors in Canada. And and honey, why don't you fill us in what, what has been happening? Well... First, there was a balloon, thought to be a Chinese spy balloon, that we shot down 
off the coast of South Carolina, I believe. Which I still think that was probably the greatest day in that fighter pilot's entire <laughs> life. Because I've seen the video. They actually, somebody caught a video. It's pretty cool. Of the fighter coming in. And you see the contrail of the, the fighter plane. And then you see the, the smaller trail of the rocket as he releases the rocket uh, payload. And it hits the balloon. There's like a big white poof. Oof. Um, and I just have to imagine that that, that dude had a pair of headphones <laughs> under his helmet playing Danger Zone <laughs> as he was, he was like, I finally get to shoot a live target here and, uh, and I'm going to live this up. I'm going to maverick <laughs> the heck out of this. It's pretty cool. And so then what happened? So then the other day we shot down another object over Alaska and that landed on the, some frozen water so they're recovering that and I saw a picture of it and it does not look like a balloon oh um, what is the what does the picture look like oh well let me show you this is a a full auditory medium <laughs> so yes let's look at pictures uh Here, while we're look <laughs> it oh. sort of looks like a blimp but it also looks somewhat metallic and not balloonish that looks like you know what it looks like it looks like a tic tac it does look like a tic tac but also how is it still in one piece after it landed on ice i don't know i don't know it's on facebook take it for what it's worth one word memory metals Mm. <laughs> that's two words mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we shot down another objet in canada with justin trudeau's permission and then there was another thing flying around over lake michigan or something today and i read that china had uh an un you know identified oh of course they balloon did. of course they floating did. around yeah, yeah, or yeah. something an object and they were warning fishermen to be here hey hey uh you guys aren't the only ones with <laughs> balloons flying over you we uh yeah, we we we, we saw a balloon too um we shot down a balloon too so you know it wasn't us uh totally not us guys <laughs> but like the government is not calling them balloons other than the first one and they said we're calling them objects for a reason because they don't know what they are and they don't seem to have any kind of propulsion of their own which kind of puts them at the mercy of the winds which would make it seem like a balloon but not balloons i don't know what's going on yeah the only the only thing that that um the only thing that would lead me away from believing that it is some sort of um ufo and on this show we still call them ufos by the way just like pluto <laughs> is still a planet and right. always has been i don't Heck care yeah i don't care what some stuffed shirts <laughs> in some labs say pluto no. was always a planet and, Pucky. and ufos are ufos they're not uaps no that's just dumb because i mean that's 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 redonkulous <laughs> and, and and like i said uh, just the other night i said uh, without UFOs, you don't have uh, the Foo Fighters. You'd have the Poo Fighters if they were UAPs. <laughs> so we, we want true. we like our Foo Fighters. We we like Dave Grohl, you know. <laughs> so we want UFOs up yeah. there. Um, 
But the only thing that I think kind of precludes the idea that they're what we would think of as like UFO phenomena is the fact that they were so easy to shoot down. Yeah, and they're hanging around. They're not just zipping off. Right. I mean, um, yeah. I would see this more as, you know, possible spy activity. Yeah. That this is, you know, that this is some country, some unnamed, unknown <laughs> country that's definitely not possibly, you know, uh, rhymes with uh, Prussia. Uh, <laughs> or or that uh, some people would, uh, you know, refer to as Gina. Um, I'm sure that it's totally not uh, any of them. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, that that's it. what we saw with the what they what they're calling like the Tic Tac or, uh, you know, some people refer to as the gimbal video um, where the fighter pilots, the naval aviators were encountering craft, you know, um, that were coming into contact with the, uh, aircraft carrier, um, you know, and those, those tic-tac shaped objects were out flying, out maneuvering, doing things that defy physics. Um, it was, uh, you know, there, there was, there was a lot going on there you know, whereas these objects are just sitting there getting fired upon and then crashing to the earth. Right. Um, so that's the only thing that makes me, you know, kind of question. I, I'm not, I don't think it's so hinky, but it is interesting. It is inspiring and it is a great synchronicity, great coincidence uh, to fall in line with uh, our episode on Sky Beasts. Indeed. So, um, when we talk about Sky Beasts, what kind of things are we talking about? Well, it's a, it's a pretty wide umbrella. A Sky Beast uh, can really be almost anything that you, that you see in the sky that is... That is, is uh, Beastie. That is able to fly, <laughs> that seems to be its own living or and or sentient creature um, that behaves in the way you would think a thinking animal might behave, um, as opposed to, you know, uh, just a, a plastic bag floating on the wind or, you know, just a balloon. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. That the this is something that moves and reacts, and seems to have its its own um, reason for being, um, even though we may not know what that is. And they can uh, be anything from things that we are more accustomed to, uh, like bird-like creatures, um, or you know, things like dragons, uh, all the way to very um, indefinable creatures or UFOs, you know. Um, So I figured we would uh, start off with just kind of uh, a few of the different um, types of major creature sightings. I mean, there are some that are very classical. There are some that are very off the wall. Um, so you have things like 
dragons. There are people throughout uh, history, even up till uh, more modern times, that claim that they've spotted dragons. Now, of course, if you search that, you're going to find a lot of YouTube videos that are very obviously uh, doctored in some way with, with right. digital artistry. Um, you know, people, people, you know, have lots of fun creating, you know, fake videos. Um, why? I'm not sure. I mean, I can understand if you're like testing out your abilities to create CG art, you know, or you want to get a career in CG work, CG visual, visual effects. But then um, don't present it as if it was real. Yeah. But yeah. Why you go and present it like it's real, like as if that does something like, you know, it, it, it's sort of part of that kind of mentality of the click, the clicks and likes mentality mm -hmm. that we yeah. see so much anymore. Everybody does all these things for clicks and likes, clicks and likes. And in some cases, like, you know, if it's on YouTube, okay, if you have a channel and maybe you get ad revenue or whatever, but when you see stuff and it's on like Instagram or TikTok, like you get nothing, you get nothing for that. <laughs> like there's no incentive for you to do that, except that you're just kind of trying to somehow, you know, build up your own name in some way for who knows what purpose, you know, just to make yourself feel good, I guess. I don't know. Um, but so we have, you know, dragons, uh, things like large, large birds, what people, uh, refer to as thunderbirds, um, that kind of then slides into the concept of pterosaurs, that there may be, there may be small pockets or populations of holdovers from the dinosaur period. Um, animals that were able to fly, you know, uh, away from, you know, the blasts or above the, the dust and sediments and somehow survived in these little pockets of existence. I still call them pterodactyls. Well, pterodactyls are a form of pterosaur. I don't like pterosaur. <laughs> pterodactyls. Why don't you like pterosaur? I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. I, you know what my favorite is? My favorite is Quetzalcoatlus. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, because it's named after the winged serpent god of mm -hmm. the, the Mayans and the Aztecs. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, so there's, there's that. And then um, you get uh, even just flying serpents. You know, like they fall in line kind of with dragons, but some people just claim to have seen flying serpents. I don't know how that was that's supposed to work. But they just see flying serpents. Um, then you get into um, things like uh, rods. Um, that's a, a phenomenon that's popped up in uh, recent years. Um, there's a lot of uh, eh, there's a lot of debunkability to that, but the, that's you know it, it's a phenomenon and. Sometimes you know I've, you've seen I've seen some videos where it's like oh you're like oh that's a bug. And then other times you you see some videos where it's like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe their their shutter speed is really high on that. Maybe that's high enough they sh it should have caught that if that was a bug. Sometimes you see cameras that are good enough that they totally catch that that's a bug. You see the bug with the wings, you know. Um, so there's that phenomena. There's the UFO phenomena. And then there's one and that we're going to talk about towards the end of the episode that just defies... Uh, categorization 
and that is uh, the story of the Crawfordsville Monster. And uh, we're going to present that story, and I don't think I've really talked to you about it very much or described it. So I don't think I know anything about it. So, <laughs> yeah. It is, it is pretty wild and pretty off the wall. Cool. Um, so let's start with, uh, let's start, let's get the obvious out of the way. Let's start with dragons. Okay. People who claim to have seen, seen dragons. Can I sing the Pete's dragon song? No, you can't. Aww. You can't sing Come the songs. On. So as far as dragon sightings go, so honey, when do you, when do you think the last, now this is what's <laughs> considered the, the last official dragon sighting i have no idea okay 1947 um no oh. no it would, it would be earlier than that okay um on may 11th 1889 and where do you think it may have taken place um europe no <laughs> It took it took place in 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 China. <laughs> it took place in China. Oh God! They saw a dragon. It was an amazing dragon. It was the biggest dragon, the biggest dragon, ever seen. It was amazing. It was totally amazing. In China. Um. So that's the last time I'll do that ever. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yes. Yeah, so this. Uh, I found a report from the North China Herald and the Supreme Court and Consular Gazette from May 11th, 1889. So the actual, the actual sighting was in April of that year, uh, the 12th of April. So this was in uh, a village called Siefu. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of this correctly, um, which was 10 miles outside of Nanchang, uh, which was the capital of, uh, then it was called Kyangxi, uh, now it, it would be the uh, Shanxi province. And there had been a massive uh, rain, rain and hail storm. And apparently it was, it was kind of a known thing that like when massive storms happen, at least I guess in, in uh, the, the Chinese legends of dragons, that when massive storms occurred, it actually kind of drew dragons. They were drawn to, you know, the kind of the chaotic wind and rain and the water and all this kind of stuff. So the the farmers working in the fields, uh, and, and this says, uh, they quote, um, suddenly a powerful fishy smell became perceptible. Hmm. I think that implies that this dragon must have actually lived in the in the ocean, but of course they were known to be able to fly. Mm -hmm. um, so people came out of the field and found a creature estimated to be about a third of an acre long, wriggling and squirming in a pool of rainwater. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just there the one day... It was there the next day as well because it kept raining. And so this, apparently this dragon just hung around. And 
uh, oh, I turned the page the wrong way. Where am I going? Oh, here we go. Um, so it was described as white with scales two feet in size, a horned head, claws, and a long tail by a group of farmers that went there and saw it the second day. And then on March 18th, so this is this is two days later, the, the weather cleared and the dragon was gone. Just disappeared. And that's considered the last official sighting of a dragon. Interesting. But now, surprisingly... So that was in that was in uh, 1889. There was an earlier sighting of a dragon in 1873, and guess where that was? Europe. Bonham, Texas. Texas. Farmers report seeing an enormous serpent in the clouds, as large and as long as a telephone pole. Yellow striped in color, it could float, coil itself up, turn over, and thrust its head forward as if striking at something. And the same or similar creature had been spotted over Kansas that same month. Well, I'll be darned. And uh, and then, of course, it disappeared without a trace. Nobody knew, but it was now. These were sightings of the more that more traditional. Chinese version of a dragon. Even this right. one in Texas, they're describing just a serpent, a long serpent, hmm. flying and floating around in the clouds, and and fiery. That it was breathe. This one in Texas was supposedly breathing fire, and but no wings. They don't talk about wings. They don't talk about flapping of wings, which they do say is a very. That's sort of the more. That's the more ancient form of a dragon. That the the dragon with the wings, that imagery didn't come up till much later in history, and that was more along the lines they they actually some people I've heard attribute that to like trying to kind of tie it to the devil, you know, because of the leathery wings and that sort of image. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, you know. I mean, take it for what it's worth. I, you know, it, for some reason, it always seems to be farmers that see this stuff. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Well, they're outside a lot. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um. So now, uh, what do you think of the? What do you think of dragon sightings, honey? I don't know. I mean, for me, I would think it would be more likely to be some kind of dinosaur that's hung around or something like that as opposed to a serpent that can fly without wings but i don't know i don't know how i feel about that so yeah i mean i i i take all that with a grain of salt myself you know if you're talking about a fire breathing dragon or something like that i you know I'm, i'm kind of uh kind of skeptical on it um, but that would lead us into pterosaurs, the idea of pterosaurs. Um, so now pterosaurs, of course, the concept being that somehow these would be holdovers from a previous time period 
in our history. It's like the Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. So now, uh, in 1976, and for some reason, I found a lot of stuff in Texas, but in 1976, in uh, San Benito, Texas, there was a patrolman, Arturo Padilla, and another officer, Homer Galvan, who both independently saw something strange. Now, this was in the wee hours of the morning, so the sun wasn't even quite up yet. Uh, they saw both of these guys, separate from each other, saw something strange gliding through the air. Um, it had wings. They could identify that it had wings, but it was not flapping the wings. It was simply gliding. And all they caught of it was a large black silhouette of it flying over. Now, later, uh, this was, uh, I guess then that night, 9.30 p.m., a resident of Brownsville, Texas, a guy by the name of uh, Alverico Guajardo, he hears a thumping outside his trailer that night. And when he looks outside, he sees a monstrous creature. And... He said, it's like a bird, but it's not a bird. That animal is not from this world. Reports of the creature lasted for months around this area until it was spotted by several school teachers. One of the school teachers went to the school library to do some research to try and find out if they could identify this creature somehow and look through all these books. And they finally found uh, a book uh, on dinosaurs, and in the book was a creature that matched what that teacher says they saw. And it was a form of pterosaur, like a pterodactyl, Quetzalcoatlus. Um, now, here's the thing. Here's kind of the crazy thing about that is uh, the Quetzalcoatlus was native to Texas over 65 million years ago because the Quetzalcoatlus was an inland pterosaur. Many of the pterosaurs hung out around the, shore, the shorelines. They would perch on cliffs and things and, and hunt for fish and stuff in, in the ocean tides. Uh, but the Quetzalcoatlus was known to be uh, an inland, uh, more land-based uh, pterosaur and uh, would have been seen in Texas if you lived 65 million years ago. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So now, my kind of take on that is, I mean, do I think that there are do I necessarily think there are pterosaurs flying over the skies of the United States? Uh, I lean towards probably not. Is it possible that there are timelines that are overlapping. Is it possible that what these people are seeing is something where one time is bleeding into another time? That the dimensions are overlapping for a moment mm. and momentarily, because especially the fact that these are being seen in Texas, the fact that momentarily timelines cross and they're seeing something that lived where they live 65 million years ago flying overhead 
but it's not actually really there. It's very possible. Well, I have a story of one that was seen in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was looking up uh, sightings in Pennsylvania, uh, Thunderbird sightings, which when we talk about the Thunderbird, we can get into that a little bit more. But so this one occurred in Pennsylvania uh, within the last couple of years. A woman stopped at a traffic light in downtown Greensburg, happened to look up and see what she initially thought was a turkey vulture. However, as the bird came closer, she realized it was unlike any bird she had ever seen. I was stunned at what I saw, she recalled, estimating the creature's wingspan was at least two car lengths. She described the humongous avian as black and featherless with a leathery skin. Its beak was sharp and pointed, and there was a pointed protuberance at the back of its elongated head. The tail was straight, similar to that of a lizard, but appeared to be curled at the end. She could not see the legs and assumed they were tucked underneath. She also observed the behemoth flapped its wings in what she considered an unusual manner, flapping vigorously as it made a turn. The witness, who claimed to be familiar with the wildlife of Pennsylvania, having worked closely with wild animals, said the winged creature was similar to drawings she had seen of a pterosaur, an animal that has been extinct since the Mesozoic era. Mm, there you go. Mm -hmm. Over Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. For anybody that, that doesn't know, that's that's where we live. So, so I'm hoping to see one because I think they are flying around. Yeah, oh yeah, you do. You think I they? Do. You think they're they're really here? That it's a real thing. Yep. And they live here in in odd hidden pockets. Yep. Okay. Okay. So now, since you brought up the Thunderbird, um, now Thunderbirds sightings of Thunderbirds are actually, at least from my my reading that I did, um, very prevalent. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, when we're talking about a Thunderbird, uh, I mean, it gets its name from the Algonquin legend of the Thunderbird, uh, the great bird who controls the upper world and keeps creatures from the underworld at bay by creating thunder and lightning with the flapping of its wings. Um, it was seen, the Thunderbird was seen as a, uh, a great, uh, creative force in Native American uh, myth, um, I actually I have a um, I have a uh, like a I don't know what you would call it like a amulet medallion or something that was actually made by um, Native Americans out west. Um, I have an uncle that used to work with Native Americans uh, in some capacity years ago, and um, and they had made. Uh, they did this beadwork and, and made this this piece. At least I think that's the story that I was told. I don't know. But it has a depiction of a thunderbird on it. And um, and so it was this, uh, you know, this uh, great good benevolent force brought rains and storms. And um, But because of that, the sightings of these large uh, avians over in the skies overhead uh, have kind of gotten the the name the moniker they call them thunderbirds um, but these might be closer to like there's also like the myths from like ancient greece of like the rocks you know the the large great eagles or hawks you know that fans of tolkien might be familiar with that kind of concept um, but those those come from like ancient greek myth as these giant eagles and things um, but they've been seen 
in I, I think there's sightings in almost every state from from Alaska to Pennsylvania. There's mm-hmm. people Florida. people claim to have seen them everywhere, and it's one of these things where it's always it's always discounted as oh you misidentified it. Oh, that's got to be a that's got to be a great heron, or oh you saw um, a large eagle. Mm-hmm. You know, eagles are big. Eagles are big. They got big wingspans. Oh, you saw a California condor. Even a big bat. Yeah. <laughs> right? it be a giant bat. Yeah, it must be a flying fox. You saw a flying mm. fox uh, overhead. Um, you know, even though they don't live here. Uh, but, and they've, you know, they've been seen as recently, the one report I found was as recently as 2018. You know, so it's like, it's not like it's an old-timey thing. It's, they, they keep being seen. And almost every description of them is very similar uh, they're they're described predominantly as like grayish black. Um, a, a lot of times they're said to have ha- at least to have have at least a fifteen foot wingspan, which uh, is supposed to be larger than any any bird known in North America. Because I think the the I think the California condor has like something like a ten foot wingspan. So mm-hmm. it's it's big, but you know these are supposed to be fifteen feet or over or more. Um, and at least five feet in body length with an abnormally long beak. Um, you know, and have also, you have, like your story suggests, they, they have this weird crossover too with the supposed sightings of, of pterosaurs. Um, so, so in your research, did you find any other stories of, yeah, I found some pretty cool ones. Um, here's one from Monday, July 25th, 1977. Ruth Lowe of Lawndale, Illinois, was cleaning the family camper in the front yard when she heard her 10-year-old son Marlon screaming from behind the house. She dropped what she was doing, dashed to the backyard, and saw a gigantic black bird with a wingspan exceeding 8 feet that had grasped her 56-pound son by the shoulders and was attempting to fly off with him. According to Mrs. Lowe, the bird came very close to succeeding. It had managed to lift the violently struggling boy off the ground and was slowly flapping its way across the yard. However, either the child was too heavy or the bird was startled by the frantic cries of mother and son and dropped its prey. The bird soared skyward and, joined by an equally large companion, flew away. Alerted by the blood-curdling screams from the backyard, Jake Lowe and next-door neighbors James and Betty Daniels came running, arriving in time to witness the bizarre incident. Later, Daniels told a UPI reporter... If I had just had a can of beer earlier, then I could have said I imagined it, but I didn't have any beer that day. Once the predators were out of sight, the Lowe's measured the distance and determined the bird had carried Marlin a distance of approximately 35 feet. The witnesses described the flying behemoth as follows. It had a white ring around its half-foot-long neck. The rest of the body was very black. The bird's bill was six inches in length and hooked at the end. The claws on the feet were arranged with three front, one in the back. Each wing, less than the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire, or less the body, was four feet at the very least. The entire length of the bird's body, from beak to tail feather, was approximately four and one-half feet. So not the biggest bird, but a big bird and lifted up a 56-pound kid. Yeah, yeah. Um... And then I just found some quick ones. I was actually um, watching a YouTube video about uh, Pennsylvania 
Thunderbird sightings. Um, so this one, when I was about 15 in 1987, my family and I were visiting family around Old Town slash Perry, Florida. After lunch, we were headed to my great-grandmother's cabin that was in the middle of nowhere. She owned over 2,000 acres of land, pretty much all forest. The land has been in my family since the mid-1800s. We were about halfway there, and my aunt, who was driving, hit the brakes when a large bird landed in the middle of the road. It had a large dog or wolf-looking animal pinned to the ground, tearing it up. My aunt blew the horn, and it looked our way, then took off. When it spread its wings, they were wider than the two lanes of blacktop we were on. When it took off, it threw dirt into the air, and we couldn't see. Uh, got to my great-grandma's house in no time. My aunt didn't stop for anything. That's when it got really freaky. We saw a huge shadow of a bird go across the cornfield, and my great-grandma said she had seen that bird since she was a kid, and she was over a 100. So I guess she had repeated seeings of this giant bird. Um, another one in McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania. Um... We live, at a we live at the top of a hill overlooking the McKees Rocks Bridge and the Ohio River. Not long ago, we witnessed a huge bird flying around the bridge, and the wingspan was as wide as the bridge. There were cars on the bridge at the time, and they had to have seen it. It flew over and under the bridge, so it was easy to get a size reference. Never seen anything like it in my life till now. As big as the bridge! That's a big bird! As big as the bridge! Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, I have, uh, I have some here, you know, they talk about how, um, here, here's just a, a quick uh, rundown. Um, 1940, writer Robert R. Lyman spots one sitting on the road near uh, Cowdersport, PA. Took off and he said it had a 20-foot wingspan. Mm. 1960, or 1948, Illinois-Missouri border witnesses describe a condor-like creature the size of a Piper Cub airplane which has a wingspan of 35 feet. Whoa. 1969, uh, wife of Clinton County PA Sheriff saw one over Little Pine Creek, Crick, as they say up here. <laughs> she claimed it had a wingspan of 75 feet because it was as big as the creek, and the creek was 75 feet across where she saw it. That's, that's really big. 1970, several reports over Jersey Shore PA. Wingspan like that of a small airplane, mm. and uh, and as you mentioned in one of your stories, yes, uh, they're reported to be takers of children, mm -hmm. and and other small uh, domesticated animals, like children. <laughs> mm. um, I I have a report from 1838 where a five-year-old in the Swiss Alps was taken by an eagle-like creature. Uh, she did not survive. Her mutilated body was discovered two months later by a shepherd. Dang. Now, when it comes to these large birds, the Thunderbird sightings, um, I heard one person... Um, there, there's, there's a... There's one sort of possible explanation because i mean sometimes you're you're hearing about the stories where like kids have almost been taken you know that's up to like 10 year olds you know which are you know fairly sizable children that's not mm -hmm. you know that's nothing to 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 uh you know just chuckle about um 
there's one uh, there's one bird, one raptor in the world that I've heard of, and there may be others out there. If anybody wants to correct me, you can email us at liminalunlimited at gmail.com. Um, but there's uh, in Africa they have the harpy eagle, and the harpy eagle, and I've seen this in documentary footage. The harpy eagle can swoop down and take a small goat off of the ground and take it up to its cliffside, you know, nest and and consume the eagle. The goat. Or, or consume the goat. <laughs> Those poor goats. Yeah, so the people try to say, oh, well, you know, there's the harpy eagle can, you know, do that. You know, in and, Africa. Well, yeah, it's like so. What is somebody like importing and releasing harpy eagles left and right? You know, to to scoop these kids up. Maybe you know. they are. It's kind of genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> here on conspiracy dot net. <laughs> Secret cabal. They're breeding these harpy eagles, and the harpy eagles are coming and they're taking your ch- your children. <laughs> Be afraid, booga booga booga. <laughs> so <laughs> don't do that one again. Either. I don't like that. <laughs> They're putting chemicals in the water. Okay. Um. So, so I mean, but barring that, you know, I mean, what what is a what is a possibility? I mean, are these? Do you think these are? Do you think this is something that's that's abnormal supernatural or do you think that this is something that is just unidentified it's one of those it's on the the edges of our our knowledge which which here on liminal unlimited let me let me kind of set the record straight you know yes we deal a lot in extra dimensionality and things like that but we're also talking about those places where we cross from the normal to the abnormal or unnatural or extreme so do you think that these might be just regular animals that exist on that periphery of our awareness or our knowledge? I think that's possible. I think it's possible that, I mean, I think it's very hard to judge size when something is that high in the sky and maybe people think they're bigger than they actually are. It's hard to judge when I'm that high in the sky, brother. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, I like your theory that it could be a slip in time and maybe we're seeing some prehistoric creature flying around, you know, the dimensions are crossing over. I don't know. But I, I, I think it's very possible that they are real and there are so few of them that we just don't know about them. They only made every like 58 years i guess i don't i don't know how it works they're they're like they're like the guy in jeepers (laughs) creepers they only come out every 23 years to feed um so they are the guy from jeepers creepers he's got a pretty big wingspan (laughs) yeah yeah but not the guy from the newest movie oh no he was no he's not frightening at all that was horrible um so when it comes to now so now we've kind of like talked about the the more kind of I mean I you don't want to call dragons mundane necessarily but you know the these are these are creatures what we've covered so far are creatures that could be like 
real creatures in the world you know that that yes there are the possibilities of like that these are the products of crossover events you know i mean there's people that think that sasquatch is an interdimensional creature now there that's that's a growing theory you know that that because of the fact that sasquatch seems to show up you know sightings seem to happen around the same time ufo sightings seem to happen in certain areas and it's very seems to be very hard to track uh, Sasquatch that you know people track it and then literally the tracks just disappear they just stop um, so there's some theories that it, you know Sasquatch is interdimensional so you know maybe these could be interdimensional things slipping in and out of our reality but they're a little more mundane it's like one's a bird one's a reptile you know one's a uh, you know well yeah one's two of them are reptiles actually um, but now we're going to get into more of a little bit more of the kind of out there paranormal stuff. So, but now we'll get into uh, first we'll talk about the phenomenon of uh, rods. Now, rods, uh, it's it was kind of a hot topic for for a while. Um, it was kind of a, a thing that came up. Now, some of this is due to um, the shutter speed of cameras because there's uh, what a lot of researchers pointed out was um, the fact that for some reason rods are never seen with the naked eye they're only seen on video or still image and so basically the sort of debunkery is well these are insects you're seeing insects and they're flying so fast and your shutter speed is so is too slow and it's not catching the insect in one spot it's catching it over you know possibly five or six what would be five or six uh parts of their movement you're catching that only as like one right movement and so it's forming what looks like a rod shape with a strange corkscrew pattern now there are some people who've tried to say oh no you know we uh we used a camera with you know this speech this shutter speed and this that and the other and we still captured this thing so it's one of these things that is still highly debated but a lot of people you know they it kind of you what you saw it go off the radar pretty quick um because it is most likely insects but it is an interesting idea this idea that it, you know when it first came out that possibly we could have a creature a small creature that's flying amongst us every day that we're not noticing you know, it opens up that I, that concept, that idea. Is it is it is it possible that there could be not just these large anomalous creatures, but small creatures, microscopic creatures even, that are zipping in and out of our reality in some way. You know, and that our naked eye, it, it's not fast enough to perceive it. Um, so it's one of those ones that I don't have like a bunch of stories to go with it. I don't have a bunch of, 
it, we're not doing a deep dive into rods. It's bugs. Because it's very possibly bugs, um, and not the bunny. Um, but uh, it's one of those things. Like I don't think we should. We you know, it, it's good that they researched it and actually looked into it to try and figure it out. I think that's one of the biggest things that we don't want to do is just discount something because we don't see it with our naked eye. There's lots of things that happen in this world that we don't see with our naked eye that are just as just as real as anything, you know. We can't, heck we can't see infrared light or ultraviolet light with our naked eye, but we know it's there. Mhm. You know. Um so just brushing through rods very quickly. Um, how about we talk about the concept of UFOs as creatures? Okay. You know, because that's what some people think these were. Some people think these were like, you know, um, tiny UFOs. I mean, that's how they were kind of treated at one point. These were tiny UFOs zipping around all the time. So what 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 do people say about UFOs as as creatures? Well, so one of the biggest proponents of this theory was Trevor James Constable. He was an early UFO writer who believed that the UFO phenomenon was best explained by the presence of enormous amoeba-like animals inhabiting Earth's atmosphere. He was a native of Wellington, New Zealand. He served 31 years at sea, 26 of them as a radio officer in the U.S. Merchant Marine. Um, So after reading about radionics... Constable became convinced that supposed UFOs were, in fact, living organisms. He set out to prove his theory by taking a camera with him fitted with an ultraviolet lens and high-speed film. The the processed pictures showed signs of discoloration, which Constable insisted were proof of amoeba-like animals inhabiting the sky. Uh, Reviewing his newfound evidence, Constable was moved to write in two books that the creatures though not existing outside of the infrared range of the electromagnetic spectrum, had been on this Earth since it was more gaseous than solid. He claimed that the creatures belonged to a new offshoot of evolution and that the species should be classified under macrobacteria. According to Constable, the creatures could be the size of a coin or as large as half a mile across. The biology of the creatures supposedly meant that they were visible to radar even when not to the naked eye. To explain supposed cattle and occasionally human mutilations, Constable theorized that the use of radar angered the organisms who would become predatory when provoked. (laughs) So, um, let's see. What the hell, what the hell happened to our (laughs) cattle, Johnny? I was out here pawing, I shot my laser pointer up in the sky and then something came down and ate Bessie. So, uh, this is from Cryptid Wiki. Um, So, they break all the usual rules that biologists apply to living organisms. They appear to be able to levitate without any need for wings. Their bodies are depicted um, as a semi-solid, even partially invisible state. Um, People have reported seeing atmospheric jellyfish. They can, they have like a jellyfish appearance and consistency, kind of gelatinous. Um, Sky serpents uh, or sky snakes are elongated um, serpentine shapes that appear to float or fly in the air. 
I typically move in an undulating fashion. Um, and yeah, so there's some interesting stories about it. Let me find this one on Reddit here. So, so I mean, the the idea that that um, sort of like, because I've always found it interesting to think that like if if the Earth or our solar system or our galaxy or you know however large or small you want to make the the kind of unit of measurement, the idea that um, you know I've always been kind of fascinated with that concept that we're almost like a bubble you know, floating in, in the ocean, you know, and, um, and I've always kind of, I, I, I've told people, uh, this metaphor before, um, when I, when I think of the concepts of the unknown that are, that could be out there, um, the things that we don't know or understand yet about, uh, existence or the universe or anything, um, this is the metaphor that I've, I've always kind of my go-to um, that I came up with. I, uh, imagine that we are uh, a piece of plankton floating in the ocean. And a whale passes by. The only thing that we're going to perceive is as that whale passes by, you know, and maybe blocks out some of the light from above, we would only perceive, like, the change of light and shadow. But we would really have no concept of the, 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 the length or width or breadth of, of this massive creature that has just passed by us in the dark, you know. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about these topics, is that that's what we are you know we're floating along in this reality not not really recognizing or understanding that there could be things moving around uh above us around us um everywhere and we just can't perceive them we only catch glimmers mm -hmm. of what they are you know little pieces little snippets little little slices or slivers um, and so the idea that, that, you know, there could be that, you know, if you want to talk about our relative size, that there could be, you know, one celled amoebas, you know, existing floating in our upper atmospheres, you know, that, we, but we can't perceive them unless under exact special circumstances, you know, that's a little terrifying. Right. So, uh, so there's a story from 1959, November 2nd, 1959, in the city of Evora, Portugal. Um, around mid midday in the commercial and industrial school of Evora, the dean, Professor Joaquim Guedes do Amaral, was called into the front yard to witness a flying object of unknown origin. It was a particularly sunny and cloudless day, allowing for good visibility, he and the others witnessed a flying round object going slowly from east to west. The dean then went to his office to use a telescope to observe the object better. He saw a round, light blue, elliptic body that increased and decreased in size and accelerated but also stopped midair. 
A few minutes later, a second bigger object appears as well, approaching the first one. It seemed to move in an undulatory way similar to jellyfish. Both objects gained altitude and disappeared quickly into the sky, and then right after, angel hair, as it is commonly called, started falling from the sky. And angel hair is another phenomenon that's associated with these things. It, it's like a kind of like a spider webby or sometimes gelatinous, like thin stuff that falls down from the sky. Um, and so I guess they uh, took a sample of it and uh, observed it under a microscope. And in his observation, he detected involved in the filament a tiny organism, four millimeters in length, formed by a central nucleus and ten tentacles surrounding, covered by a gelatinous, transparent, slightly yellowish substance. Um, they put the slide containing the sample under a microscope and spectroscope, finding nothing that could be conclusively tied to known organisms except for a sodium line, which is a common element. It seemed to react to being compressed in the microscope slide as it stretched when under physical pressure, perhaps suggesting an animal rather than vegetable trait. Um, one of the biologists he asked to, you know, help him take a look at this said the closest uh, being in resemblance to the organism might be Coelenterata, whatever that is. Um, the cellular bi biologist Carlos Azevedo compared the organism to starfish, describing it as a decoradial body, so 10 points, I guess, uh, seemingly with no cellular organization and not unicellular. So, um, that's weird. So they were seeding the clouds <laughs> with chemicals, and then these weird things came down out of the clouds. Is that what you're saying, telling me? Yeah, so, yeah, so saw the elliptical, you know, flying thing moved, undulated like a jellyfish, and this angel hair fell down. Um, so then I found another post. Um, angel hair is a sticky, fibrous substance reported in connection with UFO sightings. It was reported in hundreds of cases. Some of them go back even to antiquity. Um, in Florence, Italy, in 1954, during a football match, soccer, Thousands of people, players, and spectators saw unidentified flying objects over the football field. The most important aspect of the story is angel hair, which was falling out of the sky. Um, now, wait. Is this is this angel hair pasta? pasta? No, not pasta. Is this the Believe it or not. Wait, is this the flying <laughs> spaghetti, spaghetti monster? monster? <laughs> we are going to upset all the pastafarians. No, they're no. Gonna, they're going to come after us, brandishing their colanders. <laughs> We're going to get canceled, honey. It's not the flying spaghetti monster. <laughs> um, but anyway, so it's repeated. It's reported in many UFO sightings. Now, one theory is that it, it could be spiders. Um, it's just oh, spider webs. Some types of spiders are known to migrate through the air, sometimes in large numbers on cobweb gliders. But that's, like, horrifying to me that there would be... That large amount of like spider webs just flying around and landing on people. I don't know. I don't like that idea. Um, it would have to be like this. The, the what's the what's the place? Where's the place where they get? It's like all the spiders make oh, that it's giant. Yeah, it's always Australia. Yeah, they make that like giant, like colony yeah. every year or something to like mate, and it's like just just 
wall-to-wall webs. Yeah. Like it's arachnophobia or something. Yeah. So this one lab that researched it uh, concluded that it contained the elements boron, silicon, calcium, and magnesium, and that it was not radioactive. Um, not a radioactive spider? No, no, no. Darn. Um, Roberto Pinotti, the president of Italy's National UFO Center, says it's unlikely. Uh, he disputes the spider theory because of the chemical analysis of the angel hair samples. Spider silk is a protein, an organic compound containing nitrogen, calcium, hydrogen, and oxygen, not the elements reportedly found in the samples that were studied. It's not, it's not a spider web. <laughs> I know a spider web. I taste a spider web. It tastes nothing like a spider web. <laughs> this stuff, it tastes good. It tastes like a mama's cooking. It's so good. Spider web tastes like, eh, eh, puh, eh. Spider web tastes no good. <laughs> so your Italian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Chris Pratt's, I'll tell you that. Well, well, that's true. <laughs> it's me, the <dear> professor. <laughs> uh, also, it's interesting. Angel hair was reported during the so-called Miracle of the Sun in Fatima, Portugal, in 1917. Oh. When children saw the Virgin Mary. Angel hair fell. So it was just an amoeba they saw. Or an alien? I don't know. An amoeba with a nucleus in the shape. It's like the people who see <laughs> Jesus in their toast. It was an amoeba, and the nucleus was in the shape of the Virgin Mary, and that's all the kids saw. Well, I don't know. And the amoeba was like, yes, children, I give you... I spoke to them. I give you angel hair pasta. <laughs> Here. Uh, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's just an interesting report. And then the Portuguese uh, professor jumped in and go, "It's an angel hair is a good." <laughs> and they were like, "Why do you sound like you're from Italy?" <laughs> and then an ancient uh, report was perhaps picked up in Rome in AD 196 by the historian Cassius Dio. Hey, I'm a Cassius Dio. <laughs> right. <laughs> A fine rain resembling silver descended from a clear sky upon the forum of Augustus. I did not, it is true, see it as it was falling, but noticed it after it had fallen, and by means of it I plated some bronze coins with silver. They retained the same appearance for three days, but by the fourth day all the substance rubbed on them had disappeared. Mm. You know what that sounds like? <sighs> <laughs> Other falls in which a solid That's... whitish substance was involved <laughs> yeah. included two rains of chalk, one at Kales in 214 BC and another at Rome in 98 BC. No other information is offered about the physical nature of this chalk. This guy This guy wrote a mythogist all over his body. And was showing it around. Look! Look at my money. I, I turned. I turned it silver. It tastes. It tastes salty. Oh wait! Wait! It all went away. So angel hair phenomena. Yeah, it just it, it just rubbed off. I didn't lick it all off. Yeah, well. 
god. Oh, this episode gosh. is going downhill <laughs> fast. <laughs> hey guys, so look at my money. <laughs> so, uh, going back to the movie Nope. Hey guys, I think Akazia's deals money covered in the G's. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not tell him. <laughs> it's a too funny. <laughs> okay, so back so, to... Spoiler alert in the movie, Nope. Yes, yes. Which was quite good. It was, it so, was a good movie. So, the I flying saucer is actually a creature, a living creature. It is the alien, or is it alien, or is it, I don't know, from Earth? I don't know. But it flies around, and it, you know, sucks horses and people up. And yeah, it has a di- uh, some form of digestion and yeah and um so yeah i was reading and it very much it very much the part of the part of the thing that really interests me is and i'm not sure i'm not sure what jordan peele i tried to find out but i didn't have any kind of clear um there was no clear definition at least that i could find given by him on what the sort of inspiration for the creature itself is. I mean, there you can tell there's some subtextual um, comment on sort of the movie and television industry and things like that, chewing, chewing people up and spitting them out and things of that nature. But... I could not find, like, where he, like, said, oh, this was my inspiration for, like, why the creature looked this way or did this thing or or any of that. He doesn't really explain it. He kind of keeps a lot of that. He leaves a lot of that open to the interpretation of the viewer. Um, but what I got from it, because, and this is a big spoiler alert, so plug your ears if you don't want to hear this, if you have not seen the movie somehow yet. Um, uh, in the climax of the film, the creature changes form. Right. And becomes sort of like more than what it was. And, um, I, I just had the, I, I got the sense of like, that's kind of crazy. It's, it's almost like it is very much, you get the feeling that, that somehow this creature is somehow, uh, maybe it itself isn't technically interdimensional i want to say but it's like as if this creature may exist in multiple dimensions and we're only seeing it like how it can manifest in our reality you know and and it's able to change the way it appears to us you know dimensionally it's really weird mm-hmm. yeah so in this article here uh, it talks about the um how at the end it changes form and unravels into a Kleenex thin, indescribable swirl. The implication of the story is that this is the form the creature takes when threatened, similar to a lizard extending its facial frills to intimidate, or a peacock spreading its feathers. This particular look seems to take inspiration from biblical depictions of angels. Um, in the first chapter of his book, The Prophet Ezekiel describes Ophanum, a kind of angel composed of four interlocking wheels. Hmm. So that's an interesting take. Too. It actually reminded me of of a lionfish. 
That's what it reminded me because in its in its initial form it has that saucer like shape, but it fe it feels very shark like. Right. And but then in that final form it it reminded me of a of a lionfish. So that was kind of uh, kind of weird. Yeah. So, so I think that's a that's a good segue into our final tale of the Crawfordsville monster. Bum bum bum. Mm-hmm. So the Crawfordsville monster. So this happened. Uh, the initial sighting of the Crawfordsville monster. This happened in Crawfordsville, Indiana. And it was uh, September 5th, 1891. And I'll actually read to you uh, straight from the newspaper article. This uh, newspaper article comes from the Crawfordsville Daily Journal. And it says, A Strange Phenomenon is the title. A horrible apparition hovers over the city at an early hour this morning. What Tam O'Shanter saw on his famous ride was discounted this morning about 2 o'clock by what Marshall McIntyre and Bill Gray saw. They were at that hour at the barn of William Martin on East Main Street hitching up the team to the ice wagon preparatory for leaving for the ice houses. While standing in the alley back of the stable, Mr. McIntyre suddenly felt a strange sensation of awe and dread coming over him, and looking up, he saw a horrible apparition approaching from the west. It was about three or four hundred feet in the air, and most gruesome in aspect. It was about 18 feet long and 8 feet wide and moved rapidly through the air by means of several pairs of side fins which it worked most sturdily. It was pure white and had no definite shape or form resembling somewhat a great white shroud fitted out with propelling fins. There was no tail or head visible but there was one great flaming eye and a sort of a wheezing plaintive sound was emitted from a mouth which was invisible. It flapped like a flag in the wind as it came on and frequently gave a great squirm as though suffering unutterable agony. When it came to be directly over the residence of Mr. Martin, it began to sweep slowly and majestically around in a circle. It hovered thus for some time, and the watchers, fearing lest it was after their bacon, retired for safety to the shelter of the barn. The apparition... Get away from my bacon! Save the bacon! Damn, I think it's after the bacon in my pocket. The apparition finally flew off toward the east, but when it reached the city limits, it returned and began again to hover over Mr. Martin's house. Mr. McIntyre was in favor of arousing the family, but his companion interposed his objection, so the men watched it alone until after three o'clock when they drove off to the ice house, leaving the spook, or whatever it was, still hovering high in the air. It remained there as long as they could see its position, but was gone when they returned at daylight. 
Both of them are much worked up over the affair and very naturally associate with it the supernatural. They will carry a Springfield rifle to the barn the next time they go, and if the apparition again comes uh, flapping around, mm -hmm. they will drill a hole in him with an ounce of cold lead. Hmm. Seems a bit harsh. Maybe they should just give it some bacon. So now, so now just from that first instance, what kind of, except for the flaming part, kind of what does it sound like? Like the thing from Nope. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. why I wanted to talk about this story. Yeah. Because the thing they describe sounds so similar to... Like, it, it's so similar that I almost can't imagine Jordan Peele doesn't know this story. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. it, it is this, you know, thing kind of... It has a fluttery aspect to it, flapping around, hovering, flying in circles, a big central eye. Um, you know, now, of course, the thing in Nope doesn't quite have, like, fins. You know, this thing has fins. Um, but now, so the, the initial kind of reaction, um, even right away to the story, was people wanted to say, like, you know, oh... There goes old McIntyre and Gray. They've been drinking it up while they're driving the ice wagon again, you know. Um, but there was a secondary source, Ooh. a secondary sighting. So this came out. Uh, this article appeared in the Crawfordsville Daily Journal on September 7th, 1891. And it's titled, Mr. Switzer Saw the Spook. He beholds the midnight wraith, which alarmed Mr. Martin's icemen. It seems that Marshal McIntyre and Bill Gray were not the only witnesses of the mysterious apparition which hovered over our city from midnight on Friday till the dawn of Saturday morning. Several others witnessed the ghostly visitor and were also completely mystified both by its appearance and its actions. Reverend G.W. Switzer of the Methodist Church saw it a reverend a reverend well and his story is rather interesting shortly after midnight he stepped on into his back door yard to get a drink at the well as he stood there a strange weird sensation crept over him and although he is unable to say whether he was attracted by any sound or not he suddenly felt his attention drawn upward and raising his eyes with the full expectation of beholding something, he saw what both puzzled and astonished him. The night was very dark and very still, no breath of air stirring, but propelled by some unseen force, he saw sweeping toward him from the southwest the apparition. It was about sixteen feet long and eight feet wide, resembling a mass of floating drapery. Quote, shaped like a fleecy milk-white cloud, or like a demon in a shroud. It was much too low to be a cloud, and moved far too swiftly. Besides, there was no wind at all. It seemed to work about as it swam through the air in a writhing, twisting manner, similar to the glide of some serpents. Mr. Switzer called his wife out, and they watched it until just... until 
it got just east of the church when it began to descend as though about to land in the yard of Mrs. J. M. Lane. They then lost sight of it for the moment. But Mr. Switzer, proceeding into the street, saw it rise again, and he and his wife then watched it circle about, uh, about town for some time, finally tiring and going into the house with the strange phenomenon still visible. What? It was there so long... They you were like tired. They were like, well, <laughs> bedtime, Mrs. <laughs> bedtime, Reverend. Oh, I'm so sleepy. <laughs> Mr. Switzer is wholly unable to account for it, but is satisfied that it was not the Shawnee Mound ghost, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, V.Q. Irwin says that it was a spirit, while the unkindest remark of all was made by Professor Robert Barton who gravely gives as his opinion that it was a delusion which got on the optic nerve of those men who had probably been imbibing intoxicants. What an old fuddy-duddy. Yeah, what a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) What a stuffed piece of shit. (laughs) So then, uh, two days later... Uh, September 9th, 1891, they reported, Famous! Reverend G.W. Switzer is receiving inquiries from all over the country relative to the spook which he saw Friday night. The anxious inquiries want to know all about it and Mr. Switzer's personal experience. He received one letter from Keeley's Institute for Inebriates. (laughs) (laughs) In Plainfield, telling him that the patients there frequently saw such sights... (laughs) And that the apparitions frequently had horns and tails, but after a few days' treatment, the patients ceased to see them. The letter closed by advising Mr. Switzer to come in at once for treatment. So, like, that's the thing. Within two days, so here's a reverend. Here's a reverend, a guy who, you know, um, from the little bit that you can find out about some of the people involved, this guy was fairly without reproach. Um, But immediately... The 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 immediate uh, sort of impulse was to make a joke out of this, right? So you've Darn got media. You've got two ice men, you know, who see it, and it might be easy. They're working class guys. They're driving an ice wagon. It might be easy to like, you know, oh, they're you know, it's early in the morning in September. You know, they're uh, this is in Indiana. I imagine it's probably pretty cold early morning september you know and oh they've been you know maybe hitting the sauce a little bit having having a nip to kill the chill Mm -hmm. before they start their rounds you know but here's a i have never had enough to drink that i've seen a flaming drapery right (laughs) but here's a reverend and his wife it's he doesn't say it was just him Mm -hmm. he said he and his wife saw it and watched it and they have and they could not they had no idea what they were looking at you know um, so it, it goes on that, you know, there's, uh, there was a lot of interest. Um, but then you get to, now this was actually September 8th. So, um, this was actually before the, the jokes about them being drunk. Um, on September 8th, they, uh, they had ran an article called the spook explained. Why do they keep calling it that? Uh, that's what they call it. <laughs> Now, this is the big debunk. This is where the big debunk goes in. 
Nobody wants to believe that this thing actually was the way they described because this is like frigging horrific. This mm-hmm. is, I mean, imagine that. It's pretty crazy. You see something that looks akin to like a sheet, a white sheet or a drapery or something. It looks like It looks like just fluttering fabric with fins down the sides and a flaming eye in the middle. And it makes this wheezing sound, this horrible wheezing sound, and, and undulates, uh, and the way they describe it is as if it's in agony, mm. right? And, and, and it makes you feel this weird, it unpleasant you, feeling yeah, of dread. Yeah, because they both, yeah, they both describe this odd feeling of dread, mm. awe, you know, the reverence is something like compelled me to look up, like it was, uh, this feeling came over me first. And I was compelled to look skyward, you know, to, to observe this thing as if it was almost like calling his attention to it. Right. You know, see me, you know, see me, um, which is so weird in of itself. I mean, just imagine that. Like, there's this... Look at me. See me. Give me your bacon. Ah, your bacon. Bacon. <laughs> see me, Bacon. See me, bacon. Are you people made of bacon? <laughs> Ow, this hurts. Bring me the head of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kevin Bacon's over dancing in the mill, not, not realizing what's going on. We ran that that guy out of town. Um, so the spook explained. The horrible apparition, which was seen by numerous citizens Friday night, has been explained satisfactorily. That's the word they said. We we are satisfied. Not to me. We are totally satisfied with this explanation. Mm-hmm. And it did not prove to be a ghost. They're so stuck on it's a ghost. It's not a ghost. I, Nobody's saying it's a ghost. Well, this this is, you got to imagine, uh, these are people who have not read any Lovecraft. Yes. They've not... They, you know, they have no concept that this could be possibly an interdimensional creature of some hoary nether realm. Hmm. You know, this has, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Every, everything's a ghost. <laughs> everything's a ghost. <laughs> like, you know, I saw, I saw, a, a witch. I saw a hairy ape man out in the woods. <laughs> oh, you saw a ghost, my friend. You know, I saw Chupacabra. Hey, look at that little ghost drinking blood out of that goat. <laughs> Boy, these ghosts are running wild. (laughs) (laughs) But this wasn't a ghost. According to a fellow by the name of John Hornbeck, John Hornbeck happened to step out in the yard about midnight and saw the horrible apparition as it swooped about the town. So this guy's claiming that on on the night this all happened, he walked out and he saw it too. He summoned Abe Hernley... And they proceeded to investigate. I think I say it's a weather balloon. No, they followed the wraith about town. It's worse than that, actually. They followed the wraith about town and finally discovered it to be a flock of many hundred killdeers. What? These birds were evidently passing over the city and becoming bewildered by the electric lights. These (laughs) These were new, brand new electric lights that had just been installed in town. Um... So bewildered by the electric lights, had lost their way. Oh, these birds, these birds who see the sun every day, 
were bewildered by the little lights. Um, their white breasts and wings gave the flock their ghostly appearance, and the sound of agony was their plaintive, dismal cry. Mistress Hornbeck... And the flaming eyeball. Mistress Hornbeck and Hernley were quite hmm. close to them once as they swept near the ground and are certain they were not mistaken. I bet. Um, so, yeah. So that's what they claim. They claim that they were killdeers. That's what the man wants you to believe. Now, here's, here's the funny thing is, so number one, the idea that a bunch of people who've seen this thing don't know what a flock of birds looks like. That's number one. Yeah. Like, I I don't get that. Yeah. Number two, so many birds clustered so close together that somehow they look like a solid white thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that's, that's what they... The people who saw it say they saw. Right. was something that was solid white with a flaming red eye in the middle. I've seen, I saw some people try to claim that, oh, the the kill deer has like a red spot near its butt. And that's what they saw. Me? Well, what, were all their butts in the <laughs> middle? They were, Apparently. they were, I know what it was. I know what it was. It was a couple of kids. Oh. Out having some fun, and they grabbed up about a hundred to two hundred to three hundred kill deers <laughs> and tied together. all their butts together, <laughs> and then just set them off. Oh my god! And these deer or these these kill deer just just rolling around in the sky, <laughs> just trying to get their butts loose. No. That's gotta be it. And not only that, but they're saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, it was the cry of the kill deer." I actually. Uh, listen to the the sounds that killdeer make, and they they get the name killdeer because that's like it's not like these things kill deer; these are little coastal birds. It's because of the like the sound that they this kind of cry they make, you know, killdeer, killdeer, killdeer. Well, how does that sound like? <sighs> Right? It sounds nothing friggin' like that. Like, are you kidding me? But, so, yeah, so these two, they basically took the report of the, oh, yeah, it was a bunch of birds, you know. And it, it, and now they didn't, I will say for the paper, they didn't make these guys up because I did find some proof of, like, this guy Abe Hernley. This guy Abe Hernley actually existed. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it just seems to me like, um, I I would hazard to suggest that these guys didn't see what everybody else saw. Yeah, I don't I think, think so. I think Maybe these they gu- saw some birds. I think these guys saw killdeer. I think they saw Maybe. some birds, but they didn't see what the two Icemen and what Reverend Switzer saw. No. Because it does not match the description at all. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then and then it was never it was never seen again. And so that is the story of the Crawfordsville monster. That's pretty weird. 
Um, it's wild. And, and here's my thing. And I, I kind of was thinking about this, uh, as I was thinking about the story over the past, uh, week. And so there's like this, this whole thing. I remember when I was watching some, uh, stuff on, um, on dimensionality and talking about the different dimensions and everything. And, uh, there's kind of a classic, uh, description of how to imagine how extra dimensional beings outside of our three dimensional world would appear to us if they came here um, is imagine so the jack of spades you know you lay the jack of spades on a table and jack exists in a two-dimensional world he just has a uh, height and width um but there's no third axis and so if you were to want to interact with jack and let's say you wanted to meet him in his world and let's say you took your finger and you put your finger down onto the table so that jack could see it all jack would be able to perceive of you would be one slice of your finger like a cross section of your finger that's how you would appear to him right is a flat round plane of thing so then that concept being that if you tried if a if a a creature from a fourth fifth sixth whatever dimension try to interact with us here in this reality we would only be able to perceive the part of them that could be perceived in three dimensions right so a creature like the crawfordsville monster or ufos you know, or rods that don't exist. <laughs> or sky snakes. Sky snakes, you know. Any of these things could be simply the way an extra dimensional being appears as they're trying to interact on this dimensional plane with us. Hmm. You know. Yeah. Leading to the idea that maybe that craft isn't actually a nuts and bolts craft. Maybe that actually is the being itself. Zipping around, doing all, doing all this crazy stuff. And if it's extra dimensional, why would the laws of our physics apply to it? Really, the laws of physics of however many dimensions it exists in would apply to it not necessarily ours very true you know what i mean yeah so interesting it's kind of weird kind of kind of crazy to think about kind Mm -hmm. of interesting that you know we're seeing all this stuff now um you know could this be expressions of extra dimensional creatures ultra dimensionals Mm -hmm. could the crawfordsville monster have been that and that's why it appeared once one night Flew no, around town and then so went away, and then looked cr- looked crazy weird, mm. made weird sounds. Yeah, shouldn't have been able to do what it did. 
seemed to almost be able to like not really communicate but gave you like imparted some kind of feelings to people and then disappeared and never was seen again yeah you know and then the you know paper pays a couple of the local <laughs> jackoffs to like say it was birds you know birds. and then and then implies that everybody that claims they saw otherwise was drunk mm-hmm. right i mean how nice is that Jeez. you know and that that's the thing like Jerks. as i think more about like the ufo stuff now and with the navy releasing you know their videos and all that kind of stuff that pisses me off more and more that i think about well, the it. government did that to so many people oh yeah all made the... them out to be quacks and oh yeah druggies and yeah. losers and yeah. you know and that's not to say i'm not going to sit here and say that that could not possibly be a government program that that tic-tac was ours and they were doing a test you know seeing if they could outfly our own pilots or whatever but that's the thing it's like They've had that stuff flying around. They know people have seen it. Mm-hmm. And instead of just fess up because they're, you know, protecting important secrets, blah, 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 blah. They're more than willing to say, oh, no, all those people are delusional and crazy mm-hmm. and hallucinating or downright making it up. None of that happened. Yep. None of that actually happened. And now, oh, oops, yeah, hey, kind of maybe some of that happened. You know, and they're still trying to ride that line by claiming they just completely don't know anything about what it is. Or we, oh, we've only been researching it for just a couple months. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, and if if that even were true, that's even more crazy. Because I did hear that with the whole balloon thing. That the only reason they spotted the balloon was because they were now looking for UAPs. <laughs> and if that's true... That's ridiculously insane and stupid. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that. You know, like, and why would you even admit that? Well, yeah. Why would you even admit that? Come on. So, um, yeah. Interesting. So, Hmm. uh, should we start off or end off with maybe just one, one Reddit story? Okay. All right. One Reddit story and we'll close out the show. Oh, um, actually, no. Instead of the Reddit story, um... I, I forgot at the top of the show um, to do an update. Oh, yeah. So our last episode was about uh, near-death experiences. Number one, I want to thank our uh, listener and our number one fan, Jandy, for recommending that we do the near-death experience episode. Yay, um, she's awesome. Um, she, she's really super into the show. We really appreciate her support. Um, secondly... I found out that one of my coworkers, uh, their father had a near-death experience. Um, he is now deceased, um, but she related this to me. I'm not going to use her name, um, but back in 2005, um, her father had to undergo a valve replacement, um, and it was one of these things where his health and the situation with his heart condition and everything uh was uh touch and go and so they they weren't sure if when he underwent the procedure it was uh kind of um uh, there there was possibly going to be complications the the doctors had told them like prepare prepare for that and 
so he went in, he started to get the surgery, and the surgery started to take a long time. Like, it started to kind of get a little longer than what they had said the average time should be and things like that. And he was, uh, they were seeing some signs uh, in the operating room that he was struggling. Um, and then he, I think he had to go into, like, the... Um, uh, ICU and things, and, um, he didn't flatline, but, um, after the fact, so he, he eventually did, uh, recover, he eventually kind of, you know, came out of everything and woke up, and luckily things were, at that time, okay, but during the time when he was in the operating room still, and it was touch and go, the doctors had a meeting with the family saying things aren't quite going the way we would like it to be going we're still we still have hope we're still working through this but we are recognizing some signs of some problems and they had this little meeting with them to in in like a separate room you know away from the operating room to say like should like what are what are your ideas like what are your plans like if he goes do you want us to like work to resuscitate him like it was that he was kind of on that edge of like is it worth it you know mm -hmm. and 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 what does he want you know and they had this little discussion and after he gets out of ICU and he's in like recovery and everything they're in there, they're talking and discussing, and they had kept a diary, you know, because they knew he was going to be kind of like in and out, you know, and, and things that happened while he was undergoing the procedure, he wanted to know, you know, what discussions were had and things like that. So they kept this diary, but my coworker said, because that conversation was specifically about like, do we resuscitate or not? Like, what are your plans for death you know possibilities and things like they specifically did not put that in the diary because they didn't want him to know that he had come that close right and as they're talking after the procedure's over and you know they're chit-chatting he proceeds to mention something that was only pertaining to that meeting with the doctors hmm. and she couldn't remember exactly what it was but she remembers it when he said it the room stopped hmm. and they asked him what are you talking about he's like oh yeah when you said to the doctor this and the doctor said that and they're like how do you know that and he's like oh, i was there and they're like you were in the operating room he goes no you were in the room and this doctor and that doctor were there, and you, you, and you were over on this side, and you were in a room, and he described the room, huh. and he's like, yeah, yeah, he's like, I, I was there. I heard what you're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. And then she said that the day he actually did die, she was standing on the like out on their front porch or whatnot or near their front porch 
as the paramedics were wheeling him out, and he was already deceased, you know, he had, his heart failed and he was gone, and they're wheeling him out, and they have him, he's on the gurney, and he's, you know, strapped to the gurney to keep his body on the gurney, and she says that in her ear, she heard clear as day his voice, and he said, what the hell am I strapped to? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Wow. So that's a little update to touch back on our, our previous episode. I forgot to do that at the top of the show. Cool. But So I guess we'll end there. So, All right. So anyway, um, next week, um, I think it might be good to get back to just uh, some crazy Reddit stories. I think that sounds like fun. You know, I like we like doing these kind of organized episodes, but, you know, really part of the kind of vibe of our show what it's about is you know we want to get uh, we want to get a feel for the kind of crazy uh chaos you know supernatural paranormal interdimensional chaos that this universe holds for us and um, we thought it would be fun that you know just every once in a while we're going to do a reddit episode and so next week i think is going to be one of our reddit episodes um gearing up to then for the end of the month, we're going to be setting up this uh, interview with uh, Ethan Kay, uh, my f- old buddy that's a psychic medium. Um, so if there's any specific topics or anything that you would like to hear about in the Reddit episode, if you have any suggestions of Reddit stories or your own story... Um, that you would like us to read on the show and we can either keep you anonymous or we can give you credit for the story Um, either way please write to us at liminalunlimited at gmail.com or you can reach us on our liminal unlimited podcast facebook page or on the liminal unlimited podcast twitter which is at liminunlimapod (laughs) jenny loves that i know um and we would love to hear from you, and we would love to use your stories uh, and get your your stories out there, um, and we would love to have your suggestions and your feedback. And um, this was kind of a weird episode. This was kind of a wonky episode. Um, it's kind of an odd uh, thing, but that's that you know that's what we're about on this show. We we want to talk about the things that are like I said, the liminal spaces, the edges, the periphery of our reality. Um, some days it's going to be straight up about alternate realities and doorways to other dimensions. Some days it's going to be about weird shit flying around in the sky. Um, but we thank you for listening. We appreciate everyone that listens. Um, and we want to keep making great content for you. We really enjoy this and we hope you enjoy it too. So until next time, we will see you on the other side. Thanks everybody. Goodbye.